Hi, I'm Gabby Herculano. And I'm Shella Lika, and you're listening to Climate Solutions with Gabby and Shella. A weekly podcast where we bring to you evidence of acceleration of the massive shift towards a green, sustainable, and balanced economy. We have a laser focus on the 2030 milestone of cutting emissions in half. Our children deserve better, and we have no time to waste. Join us and our guests as we discuss the innovative and impactful solutions shaping our world. Georgia, thank you so much for making the time um, to talk to us uh, today. We're super happy to have you here, and I think in full disclosure, we are partners to Mellow powers us um, in our um, uh, effort of more transparency. You give us all the data so we can show the constituents of our um, two different equity benchmarks and, and show all the previous AGMs and what is going to be voted on in the next um, AGM. So we're, we're big fans, of course, and we're very happy to be talking to you today. And I guess the a very good um, first point to start the conversation is is, is what, you know, you're very passionate about stewardship and um, there's a lot of thought behind what Tomelo does. So why Tomelo? How did it all start? And, and, you know, share a bit more of your journey with us. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me, both of you. Um, so I guess by way of background, we started Tomelo to drive more transparency, um, as you said, and also engagement with shareholder rights and especially shareholder voting. So we believe that it's very difficult for you as an investor to have a voice on the issues that you care about at companies you're invested in at the moment in today's investment system. And we want to make it easier for people to see where their money is being invested and to have a voice on issues they care about, like human rights or climate change or gender equality or diversity on boards. Um, and so we created Smello really to facilitate that. So to kind of be the plumbing between the investment platform and the fund manager or the investment platform and the end company. Um, and also to build a user experience that gave people kind of more empowerment and made them feel more financially literate to be able to use their voice as an investor. And it all started back at university when we were working on something called the Positive Investment Campaign, um, which was looking at how we could get Cambridge University to be a more engaged shareholder itself and use the power of the endowment money that the university had to push change on issues like climate change or tobacco use and um, other issues like arms as well. Um, so we became really passionate about the power of shareholder engagement to create change at that level and wanted to democratize the process so that individual investors, people invested in funds and ETFs and um, you know through their pension, for example, and their retirement savings could also have a voice in the same way that asset owners or endowments more easily can. Thank you for sharing that. And of course, we are also based in the UK and and a, a client. And um, tell us a little bit about that growth to date here in the UK. And of course, you're in New York today of, of a sort of where you're expanding into and and what kind of feedback you're getting. Yeah, OK, so, yeah, we're really happy to be partners with you guys. I think it's a perfect example of like, I guess, the new new asset management and new wealth management that wants to be more transparent and more proactive and to empower their asset owners and underlying investors. Um, and I guess that's really the epitome of our growth story is just in finding platform partners and, and asset management um, partners who 
want to be more transparent and who understand that it's important to drive um, customer acquisition in the future, that people feel like they're going to be listened to and, and that they know what they're buying into, you know, what their products actually have underneath the lid. And I think that's, I guess for us, it started off in the pension space. We started working with large pension providers like Aviva or LNG, for example, who have millions of customers with at the moment very little idea about where their money is being invested. And we, we're kind of working with them to change that and to give people more transparency and more of a voice. And then we started working with kind of other, other stakeholders in the wealth spectrum, like you guys, um, and uh you know other i guess digital platforms who are seeking to give people more transparency before they invest in a fund or kind of in the fund selection journey so that's really in the uk we now have 17 partners and on the platform side and 75 asset manager partners who we send vote data through to so if someone on a fund votes on you know one of the underlying holdings like tesla for example we collect their opinion and send it through to the fund manager who is currently actually voting at tesla's agm so we have partnerships both on the investment platform side to collect the opinions and on the fund manager side to kind of surface the opinions and actually put them into action at the at the vote um and then uh, yeah as you said i'm in new york today for the, my first day in new york <laughs> so i've been here long but the plan is to expand um internationally and uh, especially in the us look at more platform partnerships and more asset management partnerships um, out here in the same vein. And Georgia, being so close to, you're, you're really a bridge, right? And being very close to both sides, the real asset owners and the asset managers, um, were you able to collect more, more data? Do you see a direction of travel? Do you see um, demographics that care a lot about a specific deal, uh, specific issues? Do you see a ranking of uh, concerns? Does climate change concerns supersede? Is it in parallel? Can you share with us some of these? You're in a unique position, right? You're really seeing um, how people actually vote. Can you share with us a bit of those findings? Yeah, so you're right. Because of our platform integrations, we can see data about who an investor is, what companies they own and what funds they own, I guess, and then what companies are in those funds. We can also collect demographic information like about their gender or their age, um, either through the platform, if they share that with us, or through Google Analytics um, when they're on our white label dashboard. So that does paint a picture for us of who a user is and what they own. And then we can couple that to the things that they vote on. So when there are a range of human rights and gender and environmental and animal welfare issues, as well as CEO pay and lobbying and lots of other things, we can start to look at, you know, what issues are people targeting? Which ones do they engage with more when we send an email? Um, and which way do they then vote? Are they voting um, for, you know, greater animal welfare standards or against, and similarly on human rights and, and defense and security and lots of other issues. So it's hard to make sweeping generalizations, or I guess it's easy to make sweeping generalizations, but it's, it's harder to be more nuanced about it, which would be more accurate. Um, we launch with, often in the pension space anyway, and which is where the majority of our work is at the moment, we launch with workplaces. And so we are actually seeing that a workplace like a supermarket, for example, has different priorities amongst their workers than a workplace like a bank. Um, and that might come down to different levels of financial literacy or education, um, or uh, I guess different uh, I guess different conditioning of, of the different pe of, of people. And so 
for example, I think at the supermarket, um, animal welfare is a top issue. Tesla is a top company that people are specifically interested in. Whereas at um, a bank, you were more likely to find, I think that like gender equality or climate change is higher up on the agenda um, versus other things. Um, and obviously similarly, I guess people, and this is also I think the power of Tomello in that you know, people lean into things that matter to them so you know, women in the later half of their career are more interested in gender equality um, than they might otherwise be or, or, or we've, we've seen um, you know men more interested in CEO pay um, and, and workers rights specifically and gig economy workplaces are particularly important to them where they might not have very strong workers rights themselves so when there's a workers rights issue comes up at Amazon they really identify with that and want to have a voice on the issue so we are definitely seeing like really interesting data and, and then the question is what do we do with that data and how do we make sure we have impact so we collect the data from all the different investment platforms and we report it back to the fund managers so um for example to one of our fund manager partners we might take them a you know like a powerpoint consultancy type piece where we'll walk through you know this is who your underlying beneficiaries are this is how they voted across different themes different companies over time and this is how it measures up against how you're currently voting and here's how you measure up against your peers in relation to how well you align with your underlying investors and that allows them to then look at their individual votes their stewardship policy they can then market that to their underlying investors if they are well aligned um, or if there are areas of misalignment they can look to change that or communicate more proactively about you know, why they believe they should be voting in a certain way on ceo pay for example when the underlying user base don't think like that the underlying customer base so hopefully that gives you an overview of what we're seeing but climate is definitely very high on the agenda as is human rights and gender it seems like such important work, such necessary and very relevant, especially today. And we hear constantly about um, people asking for this. It's certainly been very important to iClima and something we're thinking a lot about how to bring in more. It would be interesting to hear um, such a relevant solution. Do you find when you're talking and, you know, as you kind of expand further in the U.S., uh, it'll be interesting to compare the two regions, but at least in your growth so far in Europe and the UK? Is it something that you feel people had been waiting for and that you have access to clients um, that were ready for something like this? Or are you actually doing a lot of, of um, knowledge building and explaining of where this will go? Um, it would be interesting to hear what that dynamic has been like. Yeah, so I think it's a good question. We're definitely doing consultative sales in that we are helping platforms and asset managers to understand what the benefits of giving investors voting rights and kind of more transparency are, but they're not disagreeing with the concept. I mean, they understand the concept. Um, that when you, when you take them a solution that says, we're going to give your investors transparency and empower them to have a voice, everyone thinks that's a good idea. So I think there's a kind of balance between the concept itself, which people, which platforms and fund managers are like really love, and it's very hard to disagree with. Why wouldn't you want to give people more transparency? Why wouldn't you want to give people a voice? Why wouldn't you want more engagement from the public in financial services, not just to improve the products that are offered, but also to improve their own financial outcomes? Because people that are more engaged are going to save more and they're going to make more sensible decisions, hopefully, and, and therefore there's going to close the retirement gap, which is a huge societal problem. And then obviously there's the sustainability element. We need to funnel more, more money into climate solutions for example and that's not going to happen if you know everyone's asleep at the wheel and, and doesn't understand the urgency of the situation or the benefits to them of doing so over the long term so I think the concept is universally agreeable and and, and, and that 
is really great for us because it means that conversations are, are open, that doors are open for us to go in and talk about what we're doing. I think the bit that's new is like, you know, the actual implementation of actually, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to give people visibility of upcoming votes and we're going to give them a voice on those votes and we're going to listen to them. Like that is quite new, um, but it, that's exciting. It is new and it's definitely exciting, but then the question is, you know, you're starting, um, you're a new player with a new uh, a new approach. So you you start with, with the early movers, obviously, but then when you think about, for example, you're in the States, right? You think about BlackRock, right? The, the largest uh, uh, asset manager, and they think that they vote in a very uh, big percentage of, of uh, the proxy statements come, come, come from them. What do you expect will happen, you know, once you grow and you attempt to get that critical mass? Are you going to be able to engage? Is this desire to engage and say, hey, wait a second, I'm the asset owner here. Let me voice how I, you know, feel about this issue. Do you think that this will really become universal or there will always be a big share of the of the market, of the individuals that say, you know what, I don't even know how I feel about this. I don't have time. I'm not interested. I'm not engaging. Um, that's part of the reason why I have an ETF, for example. I just want somebody else to take care of this for me. So, I mean, it's 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 big picture. It's big a big question. I'm not sure if you have the data, but do you see the, the direction of travel being really universal? Yes. I think that policy regulation public opinion is all going to go in the direction of more financial democratization and that includes voices over shareholder voting. Um, I don't see why I wouldn't. I can't imagine a world in 10 years time where someone's letting someone else vote on a climate issue on their behalf, potentially against the, the things that they, they would care about. Um, I think that not everyone is going to vote on every vote. Um, and that's for that we need other systems in place like we need to create voting policies for individuals um we need personalization so people can be alerted of companies they're interested in and votes that they care about um but that's all very doable i mean that's just you know a smart news feed isn't it so i, th I think that um i definitely see this becoming a universal concept in the uk in europe in the us in australia people are already much more engaged with their investments so so i imagine that it would work really well there although i haven't done that much research in the market myself i think that you know even the large players like blackrock are talking about giving a voice to underlying investors we saw that in larry fink's letter at the beginning of the year um to ceos and you know he talks about giving a vote even to individual investors he means those in an underlying fund and i think um uh, that's obviously a, a, a important statement to BlackRock investors, but also to the other asset managers in the industry that you know, this is going to be a mainstream thing. Absolutely. We sure hope so. We'll be watching that closely, but we also um, are, are definitely hoping that is the trajectory. Um, just quickly, that's uh, such an important aspect of it. Investors having a voice, more and more people being so engaged, wanting more engagement um, with your technology, allowing that, um, allowing fund managers to have that that um, that input. What about in the next couple of years, sort of the next step of that equation, working with companies, making sure they're listening to it, providing tools to help sort of in that engagement effort? Um, you, you talked a little bit about that, you know, so can you talk us through where you see that direction of travel for your own company and, and perhaps, you know, what that might look like? From a product standpoint, you mean? Yeah, I think, um, so we talk a lot about shareholder rights at Tomello rather than shareholder voting. And that is really kind of, 
I guess we mean the right to be informed about what you actually own. Like, what are you a shareholder of? That's the first question that most people can't answer because they don't know what's inside that fund. So that's the first thing. Um, and then to be able to make more informed decisions. So to understand what's going on at the companies, like why, what, have the companies communicate with those investors about what are they doing on human rights or gender or, and how is that financially material or not to the bottom line? Because obviously this is also about performance um, from a financial standpoint, as well as ESG. Um, and I guess, Beyond voting, there's other things that we can do, like provide access to management, so help people to communicate with companies and vice versa more directly rather than through a fund manager. Um, and we're also looking at shareholder perks, so the idea that you know, if you're a shareholder, there might be a loyalty program associated to that. I think there's quite a lot that you can do in the shareholder rights sphere that kind of pads out the voting experience. And ultimately what we want to create is a shareholder experience, if you will, or a kind of shareholder ecosystem where you can go, you can know what you own um, and you can take actions off the back of that. And um, so I guess from our product standpoint, we've started with voting, but we anticipate that we'll kind of build out beyond that. So on that speed of change and that engagement, right? We, we, we usually ask our, our guests to talk about the world in 2030. Um, and it sounds like you really think that that's not the, the you know, how long it's gonna take for that engagement to get to that universal level. What do you think are the big, um, the big milestones and how fast do you think we're gonna get into uh, this beautiful world where shareholders are really very active, really very engaged and are being heard? So I guess, what are clear milestones? I think one clear milestone is milestone would be the kind of implementation of split voting. So, um, and it's, it's already happening that kind of large asset managers facilitating underlying investors to actually push votes through. Now that's already happening at the asset owner level. So BlackRock and DWS, for example, are two asset managers who have said, you know, if you're a large asset owner of ours, um, then you can dictate how we vote on specific issues like gender or human rights at, at companies. So that allows a kind of trustee group, for example, or a large, a large endowment to specify how they're going to vote even if they're in a pooled fund vehicle um, and that starts to pave the way that technology starts to pave the way for underlying investors to have that same right you know if you can split it two ways you can split it 10 ways you can split it a thousand ways and I think you know ultimately you're still getting a kind of for against or abstain vote on any one issue but but we, we start to kind of build the infrastructure down that allows that vault the vote to be kind of devolved or the power to be devolved from the asset manager down to the individual so i think that's a big milestone that i guess we kind of already hit it but we're starting to hit where that becomes much more acceptable and kind of something asset managers offer with their funds to asset owners and then to underlying investors um and then i think beyond that really it's about access from the platform side so you know at the moment even if you're a direct shareholder in a company it's very hard for you to have a voice on an issue you, you tend to not be alerted whether there's an AGM coming up and you, know, you have to do a lot of your own research and I think making it really accessible on the platform side will be very helpful um, you know it's a difference between I guess you want to create like a Netflix type experience on an investment platform where you've got personalized content um, and personalized investments and personalized votes being surfaced to you. And that's what's going to drive you to engage again and again, rather than having, you know, what exists at the moment, which is you know, either nothing or a really arduous process where you have to do all of your own research and you know there's no notification system to tell you when a vote's coming up or what the results are going to be. And that that kind of 
ties into impact as well and I know that you guys will think about this all the time like how do you track impact um but but tracking impact on the voting side is also really important because people are not going to carry on engaging unless we can show and kind of draw a line between their vote and the impact that's been created in the real world and that's something that's never been done before you know all these investors pitch up and they vote at something but you know that's it. it's in the headline that day and then it never gets picked up again but actually we want to know does voting drive change? Like when we vote on a human rights issue at Tesla, does something change? And that's what's going to drive people to re-engage and, and, and is going to drive a kind of en masse kind of political movement almost, or you know, a, a grassroots type movement on ESG issues. So yeah, there's a few things there. I think the direct voting being facilitated at the fund manager side, platforms actually giving kind of personalized experiences when it comes to voting and then and then really closing that engagement loop and showing people the impact that they are having through their platforms. Well, that sounds all very exciting and incredibly relevant, especially from the impact perspective. So we'll be cheering you on from the sidelines and, and looking forward to, to seeing all that roll out and hopefully become, like you said, just uh, just the norm in 10 years time or, or even in a shorter time by 2030. Because as you said, who wouldn't want to have a voice um, when they're yeah. investing in companies and have a say? Thank you so much, Georgia, for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure to see you as always. Thanks for your time. And, um, and we hope to, to hear back from you soon. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for having me, ladies. Um, it's been good to talk. And yeah, I kind of make it, it sounds really easy when I just say it out loud and then obviously we have to go away and do it. <laughs> I'm sure you have exactly <laughs> the same challenges, but um, yeah, it's, it's good progress that we're both making. So it's exciting to be on the journey. With you. We, we wouldn't want to be doing anything else and enjoy New York. I miss it dearly. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can listen to Climate Solutions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your shows. You can also leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or like and subscribe on YouTube. To find out more about us, visit us at iClimate.Earth or at Climate Solutions with Gabi and Shala on YouTube or on Instagram. Links in the video to know more about us or our guests. See you next time.